0: Hello, and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Ravishing the Heiress by Sherry Thomas. This was published in 2012 and is the second book in the Fits you series. And we recently uh, released both the 0.5 and the first book in the series. So if you want to refresh, you can go check those out. Yes, and so the first one in the series was the Beast retelling. The first one in the series was Beguiling the Beauty, which was a retelling not of Beauty and the Beast, but of Beast by Judith Ivory. (laughs) Yes. So if if
1: that all rings a bell, that's the series we're talking about. And you may recall that Venetia, the heroine of that story, was meeting up with her sister and her sister-in-law in in America. And so this is the story of her sister-in-law and her brother.
0: That's right. So let's get to the jacket, Lane. Millicent understands the terms of her arranged marriage all too well. She gets to be a countess by marrying an impoverished Earl, and in return, the Earl Fitzhugh receives the benefit of her vast wealth, saving his family from bankruptcy. Because of her youth, they have agreed to wait eight years before consummating the marriage, and then only to beget an heir, after which they will lead separate lives. It is a most sensible arrangement. Except for one little thing.
1: Somehow, Millie has fallen head over heels in love with her husband. Her husband, who has become her very best friend, but nothing more. Her husband, who plans to reunite with his childhood sweetheart, the beautiful and newly
0: widowed Isabel, as soon as he has honored the pact with his wife. As the hour they truly become husband and wife draws near, both Millie and Fitzhugh must face the truth in their hearts. Has their packed bread only a great friendship? Or has it, without either than quite noticing, given rise to a great love? The answer is, Lane, it has given rise to a great love. In case you were wondering before starting the book, spoiler I alert. don't think I even needed to read the book To know that. Yeah. I have no issues with this book jacket. Honestly, the
1: only small thing I would say is the deal they strike originally about waiting eight years to consummate isn't and then only to beget an heir. Right. But they modify the agreement to that upon Isabel's return. Correct. But. But I mean, that's such a minor thing. And the spirit is so clearly right.
0: Yeah. Yeah that yeah, I have no, is, I have no bombs. This book jacket, you can already tell, has, like, major angst in it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you are reading a Sherry Thomas, so this book is just, like, heart-wrenching. Meg, can you not spoil my 42-word summary, please? Oh, excuse me. Let's do, you. go ahead, Lane.
1: Thank you. Is there anything more gauche than loving your husband while you have a celibacy pact? Maybe realizing you're... You like your wife after promising not to bet her? Honesty and sex are the obvious solutions, but our angst queen can't make it easy.
0: No, she she can't. She really is our angst queen, isn't she? No, she is our angst queen. And because it's, mm-hmm. I don't feel like we usually like angst,
1: but we love Sherry Thomas. <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't love angst, but if Sherry Thomas writes it, I will read it and I will love it, even as the tears rolled on my face.
1: Or the, like, um, frustration between the two feels so visceral, you want to scream.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. All right, here's here's my 42-word summary. Millie and Fitz got married but waited eight years to do it because he's in love with someone else and makes no attempt at hiding it from his wife. As the prearranged hour approaches, Fitz's first and only love returns from abroad. Yes. Yeah god this book (laughs) we are laughing because we were crying earlier today that's all yeah it's it's
1: you feel for everyone in this book so hard yeah so it's sherry thomas's go-to structure which I'm sure Meg talks about later in the episode where every chapter alternates between the present and when they met eight years ago
0: uh yes I have a yes she's she does this amazing thing these dual timelines she does it better than anyone else I have ever read because most of the time a dual timeline or a flashback structure I just hate it already like with every fiber of my being if I have to read a book like that I'm just really annoyed and I just love when Sherry Thomas does it
1: so stupid it's ridiculous I'm obsessed it
0: really is she's amazing Uh, major trope marriage of convenience as you heard from the book jacket yes also he was never meant to inherit
1: so she Mm -hmm. was originally betrothed to his distant cousin yes who was the earl and then said individual dropped dead yep so he was then betrothed to millie because the earldom needed the money so badly mm-hmm. but millie was only like 16 at the time and millie she was, was rushed only to the altar yeah, so yeah they're both babies he's like 18 19 and she's
0: 16 yes and not only that he is in love in so much love like he is in torturous rapturous love with another woman but he does write
1: by the earldom and marries Mm lily which as the book jacket says yep breaks Mm -hmm. her heart because she fell in love at first sight trope
0: yes she fell in love with first sight she saw fits and she was like wow i get to marry him, and then she overhears him later and she realizes, oh, marrying me is his worst nightmare. This is awesome. My marriage is awesome. <laughs> That's, I think, Millie's inner, you know, inner thoughts right then.
1: Yeah. So she originally makes the sex pact or lack of sex pact mm-hmm. as a means of self-preservation. As a means she can't of self-preservation. bear...
0: For him to be in her marriage bed loving someone else. Yes, but does she not also, correct me if I'm wrong, Lane, does she not also do it basically to to keep Fitz from killing himself?
1: No, it's before that because she proposes the sex pact at the cricket match. Oh, that's
0: true. That's true. Sorry, They've guys. already made it
1: when he goes into his deep, depressive spiral. Oh my I wouldn't call this book lighthearted or fun.
0: Content warning, suicide. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, suicidal
1: ideation. No one
0: actually suicidal kills Suicidal ideation. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the correction. Um, <laughs> sometimes they, you know, go on trips together, and sometimes there's only one room at the inn. Does this look Notably lead to sex- mm-hmm. one time when she
1: is made incredibly uncomfortable by his nighttime demonstrations of love. Mm-hmm. While well, unconscious.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because while they might have to share a bed, they are not sharing a bed, you know, because they made a sex pact. And that
1: is sort of the night that he realizes, oh, shit, I kind of want to have sex with my wife. Why is there four more years left in this sex pact?
0: Yeah. Yup. So, I mean, eight years was a long time. You know, to wait, but I don't know. Eight years seems like a really, really long time when you're sixteen. I also think it was so arbitrary. Not in a way that this is not me criticizing Cherry Thomas, no. but she's
1: sixteen, probably like fifteen, engaged yeah. to this dude when she's like, We can wait six years and in her head I can see her being like, Okay, technically I'm at my majority at that point. Yeah. And he goes, Oh my god, make it eight <laughs> Yep. You're mousy
0: and weird, and I'm in love with the girl over there, and I hate my life. Bye. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any any other tropes, Lane? Uh, they're
1: they go on a big trip together, and
0: they then do. they have to
1: sprint back to England. That's And I think we've do. seen this in a couple of different books, described in different levels of detail. Yeah, but the running and making the last train, which is already late, but it gets you there in time. And then, you know, having to take a boat you weren't expecting to take or in their case, a Zeppelin.
0: (laughs) Yes. God, isn't it so awesome? I love. Oh, I I love love that whole sequence. transportations. She does them so well. This is not the only book she does these in. I don't know. I'm just like into it. I actually I'm sure I'll talk about this this entire episode. I went to see her at an author talk. Um, oh god a long time ago now you know before quarantine pre-quarantine so 18 months ago maybe and she said one of the best things about writing romance or sorry writing historical books because she writes historical mystery as well is that all of the train timetables are available online <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can
1: absolutely tell she puts that level of detail into everything she does yes exactly I mean, this book is fantastic. It is so angsty, but it is so good.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Like, Fitz is totally the brattiest Earl who ever had to marry an heiress, ever, right? He's like, he's like so emo. (laughs) I would normally really hate him. And I was like, oh, poor Fitz, you know? She does a great job with, with him. Yeah, I I think with Millie, I think part of the reason I didn't have as much of an issue with it here is that she's she's really only passive in her relationship with Fitz. She's active in other parts of her life, right? Like she co-manages her business and things like that. Oh, definitely. But I'm just saying
1: there were definitely scenes oh, where yeah. she self-pitying and wallowing and won't stand up for herself and won't talk about what she wants. Yes, largely in the context of fits, which he absolutely takes advantage of, because the man has several mistresses over the course of their marriage.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's, I, it's not like it's not like they're both celibate for these eight years. It's eight years of celibacy her. only in the bounds of marriage. <laughs> right. And expected of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so that, that dual timeline technique is just so amazing, isn't it? It worked
1: really well here.
0: Yeah. Because I think
1: she, you needed all of the context to care about these people.
0: And I also it, think... Uh-huh. No go. I was going to say, at the same time, if she had done it in a linear manner, it would have been like a whole half of the book where you just hated fits yep and the way she does it here she juxtaposes how they actually respect each other and feel for each other uh how they relate to each other in the current time with how they got there right yep and yeah I think I think to me that's why it worked And in a lot of ways I think this romance novel
1: was more about the building of a friendship than the building of a romance. Mm
0: -hmm. And don't get me wrong.
1: Like I'm not trying to make a distinction. Obviously you better be friends with the person you marry or you're in for a miserable life. But because they've taken romance explicit and sex explicitly out of the equation, Mm -hmm. watching them become one another's best friend was really, really well done but yeah. heartbreaking because you know how badly
0: Millie wanted more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, I I 100% crashed uh, an author's meetup. <laughs> Sherry Thomas attended. I was not in the meetup group, but I saw she was doing it. So I was like, I'm going to attend. And I snuck in a question about this dual timeline technique, because this is not the only book she's done it in. She's, she's done it in several books. Mm -hmm. and it worked so well and I wanted to know like what she did and she said that she's never plotted it out what she would do is she would write it and then she was like okay what does the reader need to know now and then she would go back and write the other paragraph so she never like the other chapter excuse me so she would never plan it out in advance she only ever did it in one book wow (laughs) I know I was like damn this woman is amazing I'm done with my Sherry Sherry Thomas reminiscences. um,
1: The only thing in this book that made me that kind of took me out of the narrative Mm -hmm. when he was with prior to marrying Millie Isabel had given Fitz a dormouse that he kept as a pet Mm -hmm. and then when it died like on the eve of Isabel's wedding clearly it was meant to be like the death of their history or whatever. So I got the metaphor, but then Millie had it taxidermied and put yeah, under glass and kept in his office. And then throughout the book, he touched it. Yep. I yep. didn't need that detail. I didn't need it.
0: I mean, it's it was just the extension of that obvious metaphor, right? It was fucking gross. And it took me out of the story. <laughs> it, I mean, it's fair. I, I, I don't disagree but I it it also was the logical extension of the metaphor you know which is that he's going to put this youthful passion under glass and hope that it stays the same right well and to a degree Millie is enabling him to do that exactly no I understood the metaphor Meg I didn't (laughs) like the dead mouse I I'm just I'm just saying you might not have liked it but masterful move Sherry (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, I actually loved the emphasis on their business ventures. How did you feel about it, Lane? I think this is one of the few books where the, uh, the, so in many romances that we read, um, the aristocracy is declining in Victorian times. They have to find other sources of revenue. And, um, we've read a lot of books notably uh, with Lisa Claypas, where the aristocrats, um, do modern farming techniques and they invest in industry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first one where we've seen um, the aristocrat have such a hands-on approach with the business.
1: Yeah. I liked that. I liked the way she was involved on her terms. Yes. I loved I, that
0: she was involved.
1: I hated that she had to play dumb little woman to get it to happen mm-hmm. But right. I was glad it was a scheme they came up with together.
0: Yes, it made it sting also, a little less. Yes. I, I also loved, though, that he kind of had to play dumb, too. Like, oh, just yes. dumb aristocrat. So I think that helped. Yep. No, it, it was a really fun
1: sequence. Yeah. I loved the way they worked together. Yes. I think th- the way that they're... They cooperated both in their professional activities and in the rebuilding of their house. You really got why they were so compatible. And
0: and and again
1: were really elevating.
0: Exactly. This is it's such a great example of show don't tell, basically. Yep. Um, because this it could have been if she hadn't done the dual timelines and she had decided not to set anything in the past. This could have been just them saying, oh, remember when we did this one thing or they had built their relationship through this. But instead, mm. you you actually see it. It's well, and I also
1: liked it because you kind of got to play down some of the things that would have been really significant if you wrote it in real time. Yeah. So both of her parents die in the first eight years of their marriage. Mm hmm. And rather than it, if it was a narrative told in real time, sort of having to live in the shock and her grief, Mm -hmm. you only get it sort of in a reflective way that doesn't, like, that the grief she was experiencing doesn't take up too much of the page. Yeah. Which wouldn't have been a bad thing. Like, people are allowed to grieve. I'm just saying it would have made it a very different book.
0: I mean, yes. That said, Lane, was this really feel-good romance?
1: No. Look.
0: There's a couple of reasons
1: for that. One, he's cheated on her her whole marriage. Mm-hmm. One of the scenes that's meant to be a reflection of how much he respects her as a person is that her, his known mistress embarrasses Millie at a ball. Mm-hmm. And he dances with Millie to offend the mistress and breaks it off with the mistress. And this is supposed to be the scene about what a good stand up moral guy he is because he doesn't want to embarrass his wife. But all I'm thinking is he's fucking that woman.
0: Yeah. Like he's the one embarrassing his wife by having the affair. Right. She wouldn't have been in any position to embarrass Millie if he hadn't been with her. Uh huh. Exactly. And
1: like, look, I'm not saying obviously you and I always love the celibate piney heroes who like won't touch anyone once they've met the heroine. But not only was he not celibate, Mm -hmm. he was, actively keeping mistresses he took her on vacation to italy and brought a mistress with
0: him uh-huh yep, and he was so actively keeping mistresses and he was like this entire time he's been hoping maybe someday he'll reconnect with isabel and or at the very least
1: maintaining this idea that she's the only woman he'll ever love right and i think it also really got the point across that like the right person there's not a one for everybody which of course i believe like you know, love is a combination of the person and the circumstances and where you're at in your life and all of that stuff. But you really did get the sense that if he'd been allowed to be a distant cousin of the aristocracy with a military career, his, he and Isabel would have been really
0: happy together. They would have been totally happy together. It would have been that fine.
1: Millie being the right person for him was sort of a product of needing a wife to go through being an Earl with
0: it it was it was the fact that they grew i don't want to say grew up together, although they did in to some extent actually become adults together right uh, and that happens in in any marriage or any relationship, really you know the older you get the different no and that's just it. And, yeah, no, and
1: I think there was something really authentic about this, but that's not what I want from a romance novel. <laughs> Like, I want two people who are so clearly uncomplicatedly destined and from the moment they meet have neither hands nor eyes for anyone else.
0: Right. Right. It's exactly. I think I can appreciate the book as a book for its structure, its characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sherry Thomas's writing is just amazing. But is it absolutely be one of my favorite romances? Probably not, you know. Do I even find it all that
1: romantic? It's a very practical romance.
0: Well, I mean, that's a question. That's a really good question. It's like, what is romantic? Why Why do you write a romance novel? Is it for that swept away passion? Or is it for two people who make it work somehow, you know?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I get it.
0: Like it, this yeah. is a really good book,
1: and it is a love story. Yeah, it is not an uncomplicated romance.
0: No, absolutely not. And and yeah, uh, we already mentioned one of these content warnings, which is suicidal ideation. So basically, Fitz is so so depressed at having had <sighs> to marry Millie that he goes into like an alcoholic stupor for. Weeks.
1: It starts before the wedding and keeps mm-hmm. going three until three weeks after they're married, I think. Yeah.
0: And during that time, she also discovers him with a gun. So it's um tough to it's tough to read. I'll just say that. He's definitely in a
1: bad place, and Sherry Thomas makes that incredibly clear. Yes. Yeah. And I'll just say that not only is Fitz himself unfaithful, planning on permanently leaving Millie to take up with a mistress, his sister is also sleeping with a married man. Yes. Yes So there is a lot of infidelity and loving people who are taken in this book.
0: There's a lot of just angsty romance. (laughs) Yeah. So much angst. I laughed out
1: loud. There's
0: like this is not a spoiler.
1: Venetia and um Lawrence, the Duke Christian. of Lawrence. Christian, yeah. Christian, thank you. Venetia and Christian are back from their honeymoon in this book. So mm-hmm. um they they throw a ball celebrating their return and Sherry Thomas <laughs> It's in like half a page of Christian and Venetia like being happy at the end of a ball, but it is literally half a page. And I was like, you really just felt the need to throw someone a bone, didn't you? Someone. (laughs) Well, because
0: it had nothing to do with the, the plot. The rest of the ball also is is like um Um, his sister running off with the married man, you know, getting, and um, him and Millie having their own own issues. So yeah, there had to be some happy relationship somewhere. But I just
1: laughed, like it was such obvious, it was such an obvious callback present just to people who had read the last book. Yes. (laughs) It's like a moment of levity. I will say, did you think, the scenes between his sister and her lover and the guy who was in love with her added to the text. Like, how did you feel about them?
0: Uh, I, I, I like them because I think they're interesting and I, I like the characters. Do I think it added to this story? I don't. How it, about you? They were good. And
1: le- so very basic. Yeah. The sister who's sleeping with a married man Fitz's his best friend is also in love with her and is the one who exposed her affair. Correct. And so she's getting flirted with by this guy while sleeping with this married guy. And what? he, the the one who is in love with her gives her a copy of his erotic novel. Mm-hmm. And like, it was really well done. Sherry Thomas is a fantastic writer. I was super interested in their story. It sometimes felt like whiplash. Like it was so not an organic part of this story. It, I sort it, of be interested in finding out why she felt the need to include it here rather than just putting it all in the third book.
0: It reminded me a lot of um, Elizabeth Hoyt's yep. teasers. Except so. Elizabeth Hoyt's teasers are often bad.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> this one was at least intriguing. It wasn't like a random maid going off to be a spy. But like I yeah. didn't, I don't quite understand why.
0: Yeah, I, I am very, I, I love. The last book in the series, actually I think it may be my favorite of the series. So I'm can't wait. I'm looking forward to reading it with you. Is it sexier? Because this one
1: is so much us, but not a whole lot of explicit sex. And given that he's written her an erotic novel, I have high hopes for the next one.
0: Okay. So it is sexier than this one. Okay. That said, it's Sherry Thomas's novels in general are just not very sexy. They're never explicit. They're not very explicit. They're, they're not very explicit. Mm-hmm. That said, Lane, Sherry Thomas published the erotic novel that he wrote for her, and that book is so hot.
1: I would like to review that on the podcast, please, and thank you.
0: Oh, it's on the schedule. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Book, book 3.5 will be making an appearance. The Bride of Larkspere will be on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So this book, though, this specific book, Ravishing the Heiress, is is not very explicit. And I would go so far as to say that there's not a ton of even sexual tension between them for a lot of the text because Fitz hates her, and he doesn't hate her. He hates the fact that he's married to her. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> makes it sound so much better. Even right? when they, even when they like each other.
1: It takes a while for him to see her as an object of desire. Right. And her feelings are so much more angsty pining than lust. Right.
0: So uh, so I would say there's not a ton of sexiness in this book. I would agree. That's not what this book is for. Right.
1: And so I'm not necessarily saying it as a criticism but like i said this book is so far from my concept of a feel good romance novel
0: that it makes sense that it also has no sex i don't know oh, yeah <laughs> oh uh, if you want to read a book that will rip your heart out and then like smile while you cry and then maybe like put it back in until the very end so you can keep living that's this book yeah or like if you're desperately in love with someone you're pretty sure Will never want you. But- and you need a little bit of hope. This is the book you should read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's this. That's this book. Or I mean, if you want a one that you would like to read that makes you feel a little bit better than this one, "Romancing Mr. Bridgerton" is also an option. <laughs> <laughs> but one will make you cry like a lot, and that would be this one. I didn't cry. Am I human? no i actually don't i don't think i think i had tears in my eyes but this book did not make me cry the way my beautiful enemy did <laughs> or like lady sherlock did <laughs> i mean listeners for those of you who might be relatively new me not crying
1: is not a sign of condemnation. it's incredibly rare <laughs> yeah all um, right thank you guys so much for listening
0: Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and you can check us out around the internet uh, at Plot Trists, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads.